0: You know what? Fuck beauty contests. Life is one fucking beauty contest after another. School, then college, then work. Fuck that. And fuck the Air Force Academy. If I want to fly, I'll find a way to fly. You do what you love, and fuck the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Little Miss Sunshine. Greatest
1: movie podcast, it's the greatest movie podcast, it's the greatest movie podcast, it's the greatest movie Come on and in our greatest movie podcast It's the greatest movie podcast It's the greatest windows movie-
0: Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, beautiful Rick Barrasso,
1: and I, your co-host, Little Miss Dekboski,
0: we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing
1: today, Derek? I'm doing specifically excellent.
0: Specifically excellent again. Tremendous. Happy to
1: hear it. I used specifically last you did time. Did you
0: use it the last episode?
1: Oh, I thought I said something else that was like specifically. Damn it. I fucked up. All right. Okay. Maybe you did. I don't we, know. Me and Rick have already dropped the most F bombs in this episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, good, this episode's our good fellas.
0: <laughs> Fuck you, Derek. No. Uh, um, no. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty generally good, so I'm uh, happy uh, happy to hear that. So last week, we had an episode on the Empire State. So I'm sorry. No, we had an episode on <laughs> Jojo Rabbit, and it was a good one. I called myself Jojo Rickbit at the end, so that, hey, I mean, yeah, there you go. Whatever. What do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, but check that one out uh, <laughs> or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, we're there subscribe to it and review it. If you can, it's super helpful for the show. If you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at great Moviecast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, our old guy who died in our, you know, who died of a heroin overdose, and we had to, to carry his corpse around in our car for Ma- a while. Marlon Brando. Better. What's that?
1: Oh, I thought it was Marlon Brando. I thought we were changing it to Marlon Brando. I guess <sighs> not. I <don't>
0: know. <laughs> Marlon doesn't want to talk these these last couple of weeks, but, he, but yeah. he's here. Yeah. If If Robert De Niro comes, Robert De Niro. Marlon, please go sit down, take a nap. He's tired. He's always tired, <laughs> so tired, um but as our, as our old friend Bruce Wayne would say, "Tell your friends about us, but now let's uh let's bust out the Rick James, little Miss Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine is a two thousand six road trip dramedy corrected by Valerie Ferris and John Dayton, stars Abigail Breslin as olive Hoover, Steve Carell as Frank Ginsburg, Greg Kinnear as Richard Hoover. Tony Collette as Cheryl Hoover, Paul Dano as Dwayne Hoover, and Alan Arkin as Edwin Hoover. It made $101 million on an $8 million budget. It's a nice little profit there. Wow. Um, yeah, yep. uh, It's got a 7.8 on IMDb, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 80% on Metacritic.
1: That's one of the better grades they've given.
0: Yeah. Ebert. Three and a half out of four. Quote, you just won't see a better acted and better cast movie than Little Miss Sunshine. Hmm. Manola Darjes of the New York Times says this bittersweet comedy of dysfunction takes place at the terminus of the American dream, where families are one bad break away from bankruptcy. And for a negative one. Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly says, Sorry, folks, but these are not organic characters. They're walking, talking catalogs of screenwriter index card data.
1: So Derek, I don't agree. I don't agree with that.
0: Okay. But well, we'll talk about it. Uh, Derek, when did you first see this one? And you know, one thing we didn't get into last week, but why, why did you choose this as your Rex pick?
1: Uh, I don't remember when I saw it. I mean, it was just random. Probably when I lived back in my old house. Um, But my wife and I, Gia, saw it. And we, we, yeah, we saw it. I've seen it probably like five or six times. Um, It's just a movie that resonates with me. It's kind of like in the the theme of Jojo Rabbit. uh, Little Miss Sunshine kind of just puts all the drama, comedy, and sadness all into one big ball. And I I think I, I gravitate towards those movies because they give you a lot. You Know they, they keep giving and it's not just a one note. Um, but this is very interesting to me, and I think the characterization is something that I really want to talk about. So, uh, yeah, this is why I picked it. I've been waiting to do this one for a long time, actually. I've always had it on my list of ones to do, so glad we're doing it.
0: Yeah, um, so let's talk about what uh, what happens here. Uh, do you have a do you have a song for us here, or are we just we
1: just timing it out? We'll time it out.
0: Okay, calm me down.
1: All right, three, two, one, go.
0: A dysfunctional family drives a long distance to enter Olive, their youngest child, into a beauty pageant, despite being an atypical entrant. The family's personal issues encroach on the trip, sending everyone spiraling into depression or rage, they all try to shield Olive from their negative feelings. Edwin, the grandfather, dies of a heroin overdose while everyone else sleeps in a hotel, but they continue on to the pageant all of this does essentially baby's first strip tease a dance taught to her by her grandfather. Family goes home having been closer from their disastrous experience.
1: All right. 27 seconds.
0: All right. Excellent. So let's talk about our top three scenes uh, in the movie. Derek, what's your number three favorite scenes? My
1: number three favorite scene. Um, I think it's all the moments where they're running into the minivan or the van itself. Um, it's just, it happens a lot, but th- the van itself is almost a character of its own. And it's, it just fits the family perfectly. Like they're already going through so much shit. And this is just an added bonus of like, the car doesn't work. The horn doesn't work. Um, and they have to keep running to the van to get everybody in. And it's just hilarious. At the same time though, it, it's obviously a shitty thing, but when they do actually all get in, it's like a big win for them. And like you kind of right. root for that, you're like, okay, finally the family's, like all like smiles, like we did it, like we're in the car, like it's just a little tiny thing that doesn't really matter, but like we're all here and stuff. And I do love those moments, especially when like you know you see like Paul Dano's character like trying to help his sister on and making sure she's okay and stuff. And and I, I love those moments in this movie. So I think that's my third favorite scene or or uh, group of scenes.
0: Yeah. So my number three favorite scene is. Uh, it's the aftermath of Edwin's death, and this is kind of a like, kind of a weirdly personal one for me. And it like what struck me about this is like, it's it's very funny when they you know steal the body and everything like that. That that works as as, as comedy, but what really struck me more is the scene in the waiting room, and because like I've kind of been in that position. And there's this, like, one detail, right, that it always strikes me as, like, absurd in real life. And they do a great job capturing it here. And it's the family's all sitting around and coming to terms with the fact that you know, their loved one has, has died. And they're, they're beginning the grieving process. And on the TV in the waiting room is a fucking, like, Ronco infomercial. It always strikes me whenever someone in my life dies and I'm in in the hospital, there's always something kind of dumb and inoffensive on the TV in the waiting room.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I just I remember when my grandmother passed away and I was sitting there in the waiting room and I I wasn't there when she died. But she, you know, she was the last time I saw her and I was like in the waiting room and fucking family feud was on. And it wasn't like, it was, it was like Richard Karn hosting Family Feud at the time. It was like 2003. And I was like, I, it just struck me as like how ridiculous it is that this thing, like this very bland thing was on while people's lives are like being shattered. And I think this movie does a great job of capturing that weird feeling that I've had, just in that 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 one little detail, kind of awakened a memory for me. So, what's your uh, what's your number two?
1: Yeah, um, my number two is uh, I think Dwayne's freakout.
0: I, I have um, that exact verbiage <laughs> noted as my number two scene as well. And
1: that's so funny. Yeah, yeah Dwayne's freakout. I think that you know it it uh, he doesn't talk the whole film. you and I are both fans of Paul Dano. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a very powerful scene and he, he's such a good actor and he just does it so well. And, you know, from, from this, this scene, he becomes a better person in a way. Like he just starts to learn things about his family and himself. And, uh, I think he needed that as a character, um, to just kind of, you know, stop being a mute and just start talking again and, and figuring things out about life and, You know, he's he's a person that I can identify with because I I feel like, you know, besides the fact that I'm not super skinny and want to be a pilot, but I think uh, just the fact that he thinks that there's like, I don't know, life isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray area in the world. And I, I kind of agree with that where I think a lot of things are bullshit. Yeah, and so when he does say a lot of things like that, it's like you know I think it's I think it's what's his t shirt say like when he's at the dinner table it's something really bizarre about Jesus I forget what it says but yeah I forget I,
0: exactly but
1: it's very like it's very off putting but I, I I like his kind of like you know perception on the world and stuff and and, and when he kind of flips out you know your dream is broken into a million pieces and it's something that he's been dreaming about his whole life and finally he finds out he can't do it. You know, and you know, in, in a way, I, I kind of hope that somehow he can in the future, figure out a way to do it. You know, but it's it's such a great acting performance. So
0: this is this is like I think the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. I and this sort of struck me is just how, this time is like how much this movie is about communication. Right, every character, uh, one way or the other. Is not effectively communicating with everyone else except for Edwin. Edwin overshares, right, and that's why he kind of yep. sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, just think about everyone. So, if if we look, like, Dwayne is the the most obvious example. Like, he is n- literally not speaking, right, um, yep. to, to anyone. But you look at Richard, the father. He can't have a genuine conversation with anybody because he's too, like, he just always brings it back to his fucking business. Like, it's, it's hustle. Yeah. Um, You know, even you know, just go through it, like Frank, Uncle Frank is like he's holding things in to the point where he commits suicide. Or right. or tries to commit suicide, attempt suicide I should say. Um, Cheryl, like, the the mother like, is lying about smoking cigarettes. Like, at, at the beginning, she's she's not Being truthful with her family. You know, everyone and, you know, even Olive, like, doesn't tell them, like, they're so busy not talking to each other. They don't realize Olive is going to get up and fuck, humiliate herself, you know, and they have to bail her out. So it's just so many. And, like, this is where it kind of comes to a head in the movie with Dwayne, where he, like, he just, like, he almost literally, like, the words explode out of him. Because he just. Again, this family has not talked to each other and figured out that he's dealing with this issue. You know, he's what, 16? The character's like 16 in the movie or something like that?
1: Yeah, something like that, yeah.
0: That's kind, I feel like that's kind of late to be diagnosed as colorblind. Yeah. You know? I,
1: although, how often do you really check? I mean. I yeah, don't know. I, I
0: don't know. Like, it's 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 it seems like maybe i'm wrong maybe you know if anyone out there was diagnosed with colorblindness later on in life um i don't know if that's something that comes with like onsets later it's always there I don't, I don't know but i think having him finally just like it comes out and then after that it's the only time that you know, really the only time that two characters like connect in the movie you know is is when when he and, and Frank have their conversation that Yeah, we quote it like it's the only time they like communicate and it's like they learn so much about each other in that and it's like and literally the end of the conversation is like I'm, I'm glad we talked yeah you know and it's like it's uh, I think th- this scene just sort of yeah, you know, and it's of course so like well acted by everyone like he, yep. he has that freak out and he can't even talk at first and he's like Fuck, it's like knocking on the window and freaking out and you know, Frank is like, okay, I think, I think we have to pull over. I think this is like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And man, it's just, it's just a, it's just a very fun scene. Very fun character moment. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number one scene?
1: You know, there's a lot of great scenes in this movie, but you know, when you're following a family like this and all the problems, the scene where they, where they just all dance together is the moment of like, this is, this is the culmination of everything we've gone through. Now we're here together protecting this little girl. Um and you kind of wish that 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 you know Alan Arkin's character, Edwin, was there too. But it's a really funny scene and it's um it just it's the it's just the ultimate scene of just like the family connecting and coming together to do one specific thing. And the movie is almost completely random in a way, because like it's just a random thing that a family goes to just do. It's just it's a, just a big win for the family, you know, and it's it's a great moment. So that that's my uh, that's my number one scene.
0: All right. So my number one scene is actually the scene at the beginning around the dinner table. Because it's it's very rare that you see a scene that establishes every single character in the movie in one scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know who all these people are, and you know exactly how they bounce off of each other just for that and like i think i think ebert's review is right like the cast in this is phenomenal yeah you know um and they're just a bunch even like abigail breslin like is is a great child actor and like goes on to have a a, a really good career so far and you know the the way they you know kind of just set up like this is this is the one time we talk and it's just to establish, like, you know, I think uh, I think Steve Carell's character is really looking for connection at this point, but he just, like, can't find it anywhere right. in this scene. In we we kind of see this scene from his perspective, you know, since he's the new, new person, like, to the point where he just kind of, like, he looks to a person he knows will not talk, like, will not respond to him. And then asks like about Richard, like is he always like this, right? You know, and it's just like okay, um, <laughs> you know, I, I see what this kind of is. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's such a, I think from a this this is a great scene from a scene like a screenwriting perspective. You
1: know, it's, yeah, it's, and and I, I love the little moments too, just the little tiny things like, you know, I could relate because like it's a very hectic family, and and you know she. I picked up fried chicken, and then she's like, "I'm gonna make a salad because yeah. we need some sort of vegetables." I, that reminds me of my family growing up of like, okay, we we got pizza, but like my mom was like, "But I made a salad too, or let's have some broccoli with it." And well, did like, you put ah. the
0: pizza directly on top of the or the salad directly on top of the pizza box because everyone loves a warm salad?
1: Yeah, <laughs> every <laughs> pizza place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a little the little intricacies and little details and stuff of, the, of these scenes are, are what makes it. I think.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so it like it establishes the dynamic between all these characters so well. Like again, you after this scene, you know who everyone is, and every character beat follows logically yeah, from this scene. But let's that's what we liked about it. Let's talk about what we don't like. Do you have a least favorite part?
1: I actually don't. I, I I don't. And I, and I struggled with this last week too. And, and that's why I pick, you know, it's tough because you know, you pick movies that you really identify with and I've been looking at this movie and I just don't see anything about it that I dislike necessarily. So uh yeah. So fortunately, I guess I don't really have anything in them. I'm sure you can make up for that. So,
0: <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. So 2006 is the last possible second that, you can release a movie with the character of Edwin in it and be like, yeah, he's like a lovable old character. Yeah. Anything after that, you're like, I don't know about this. Like 2006 is like the cutoff, you know, where it's like, you know, he's using the, 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 the F word to, to refer to Steve Carell's character. Who's gay. Um, You know, he's using, you know, he's like, Oh, he's getting porno mags when he's in the car with his family, he's teaching his, you know, he's teaching his granddaughter strip tease moves. And it's like, mm, did that age super well? Nah, like it's a product of its time. So I get it at the, like at the time, but I, I feel I like mean, even if this is made even a year later, people are like, I don't know about that guy.
1: I mean, personally, I mean, do I like the, do I like that, that word? No, I don't. Of course I don't. But I will say that movies are fantasy. Movies are fantasy world. The Quentin Tarantino says it the best. He's like, why do you even ask me these questions about violence? Films are where do you go to escape? It's fantasy. It's not real. Therefore, I feel like anything goes in movies. That's, you know, that's not going to you up.
0: But, you, know? but you, could, you can excuse anything by saying that. You, know, you could say, like, if, you, if Quentin Tarantino wanted to make a movie where he, you know, Adolf Hitler was a superhero... And I'm using that. That's that's absurd. And I'm using that for, uh, you know, dramatic effect here. But people look at it and go, "What the fuck?" And then if he goes, "Well, oh, it's just fantasy. It's not real."
1: But but then again, like I mean, I think honestly, like I think people are insulted with fucking anything these days. Like any little thing they look for to be like, I am insulted. Like uh, you know what? Like it's a fucking about movie. being insulted. Don't, don't watch I don't want you like.
0: I don't think I, it's like. I don't
1: know. I, I disagree. I think, I think cancel culture is a little ridiculous personally, like how far it's gone of like every little, Oh, that comedian said this thing 13 years ago, let's cancel him. It's like, yeah. you go yeah. to comedy in, to see comedy. You know what I mean? Like In some ways. So
0: here's the thing, like who's okay. Let's. I, I didn't think we we're going to get into a cancel culture conversation, but you know, this is a good place to have. So I think the majority of what people think of as quote unquote, cancel culture is really consequences culture. Most time, people have to just deal with you know comedians especially like let's look at dave Chappelle because dave chapelle is kind of like the ultimate example he's trying to you know for, meanwhile he's he's not canceled he's selling out you know arenas still but he's saying like vile shit about trans people and when everyone everyone's sort of like hey that kind of sucks that you're saying that no, it's just comedy he just wants to say things without consequences and i get it and Dave Chappelle, I think, is a genius most times, uh, but you know, like if, if you name someone, there's not very many cases. I think I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I think it's not very many cases when someone is canceled,
1: that you know they didn't necessarily
0: deserve it. Like,
1: well, I, I guess getting back just to Alan Arkin's character, like don't don't try to like. You know, directors in Hollywood like don't try to like not show me this stuff because I know this is how a lot of people are. Sure, sure, but the, so, the fact that you know what I
0: mean, you and I understand like uh, displaying it does not necessarily equal endorsement. I'm not saying that it does, but, but I, I
1: think I think that a, a majority, and I'm going to say this out loud, and I really don't care who gets offended by it, but I think a lot of people, especially in this country, are just looking for a reason to be like, oh my god. And I, I think that's come to the point now where, like, you know, if you don't want to watch something, if you found out something's happening, then just don't watch it. Don't watch it and then complain about it.
0: That's – so that's – I don't think that's – to me, I disagree and, with and that.
1: It, it, especially if this was, like, a slandering of gay people, like, an absolute slander. If it, If the movie didn't have a valid point and was just a slander on gay people, yes, I completely get that point. But this is a character who uses – derogatory gay slur are you joking this country every i would say like 50 percent, half this country uses those slurs every single day and there's no consequences because you know everybody I, seems to do it it's not right but like it's a fucking movie where a guy I, says the I word if that. it happened if it happened this year i still wouldn't care because you know what i don't i don't think that's a good term i don't think i don't believe that people who watch what is it going to do for people who watch it, it going is it gonna trigger them to hear that word it could maybe we don't watch it yeah
0: yeah but that's again you're expecting this character to be like the lovable old grandpa and still get to use that word and i think now if you made this movie in 2022 couldn't do it because that character by using that word would not be
1: we just did a movie last week where there was a nazi who we sympathize with how is that any different i understand that but that's it's with, not that char-
0: with that character in particular, the reason why you sympathize with that character is because you find out that he is being forced by society to be the way that he is.
1: Yeah, but if they had won, do you think he would have changed his mind?
0: I think he would have done what he needed to do to save his own life and the life of his lover.
1: I mean, all right. Well, well there, I mean, at the same, the same time, though – Um, Alan Arkin's character is definitely a product of his generation. He's an old, grumpy man, but also does a lot of good in this movie, too, for his granddaughter, who says, you know, the the right thing. She's beautiful and Mm -hmm. all these things. And he becomes a very, yeah, he says some shitty things, but like, you know, it's also like he doesn't want to murder Frank. He actually probably kind of likes Frank and he's just like, he talks to him and stuff. And he's just a product of his generation, which is not a good thing. And, But if this came out this year, I I still wouldn't have a problem with it. And if people do, then that's their, I guess, thing. But I I, I can't, I can't defend. I I can't just, I can't really defend that, that argument. I just can't. So
0: I'm, so I'm not saying that like the character, I don't, I'm not saying Edwin's a bad guy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that if you had this same character doing the same things in a movie that came out this year.
1: I agree with you. It would be outrage. It Agreed. would not
0: play as well. And but I that's think the that's the
1: thing, like, what, why is that though? Why have Because time people have been used,
0: okay, let's, let's say there's like specific examples here. Right. And, you know, one of the ones I used was that he used the, the, the F word to refer to a gay person. That word has changed in cultural impact because I think we've realized that for decades previous to that, that, that word was used to defame, harass and like ultimately lead to violence against gay people.
1: But wait, wait, we now realize this. I knew the day that I heard the When word I say when
0: I say we, when I say we, I mean like society at large.
1: No, but that's what I'm getting that's what I'm trying to say like is this country really that stupid where now we're figuring out it's bad?
0: I'm going to steal a line from uh I believe it's George Carlin. Uh, imagine how dumb the average person is. And realize that half of the people in this country are dumber than that.
1: And that's what baffles me is that, yeah, that's kind of to my point of like, seriously, 2022 is the time where we're like, oh, man, I didn't didn't realize. No, no, no.
0: That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that 2006 was probably right around the turning point in that word. Like society has turning points. It doesn't like go in a straight line where more and more people realize it. One, you know, it's not a perfect graph. There are stops and there are starts, right? And there are times in society when we look at things and how we did things and words or actions that were permissible. And then maybe it's a, maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's something that happens in society or culture that people turn on things, you know? the I blame the internet. Personally, it, it honestly, the internet could be a big part of it because I think people saw, yeah, you know, people became more aware of the damage that certain uh, insults, certain words, certain actions can do. But I'm not just talking about that because we seem to be fixating on the fact that he uses that slur.
1: Well, uh, do you remember, remember? Remember when the Godfather used that word on like Monday Night Raw and like back in like 1999? Yeah, I was appalled when he said that back then. I was like nervous. And I was like, really? They could because I remember the word being, you know, not good, not a good word. It's very derogatory. Yeah. Back then, I was like, holy shit! And I'm like, do people not realize back then that it was like still not good to use? Like I'm, I guess I'm just a little bit baffled that society is like as dumb as it is. I guess, and and then there's just trendsetters on internet where everyone's just like, you know, a bunch of people get together and say, you know, let's look back at all these horrible things we used to watch, you know, and, and it's it's just because like it's always been bad. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, it's like this big, big problem where, like, you know, you ke- if, if if you were you're a sportsman, if you're somebody in Hollywood, you're being interviewed. You better just like you re- really figure out what you're gonna say beforehand because if you say the slightest wrong thing, you're done. <laughs> well,
0: you know? ag- again, like if you if you're the 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 point is is to I mean, culturally, obviously, like we're we're talking about like you know slurs at this point, point. and. Yep you know there there are a lot of of people who have used these these words and used these terms in the past publicly and you know they've in retrospect yet regretted it you know like a perfect example here is yeah in bill and ted's excellent adventure there's there's a part where they hug and they you know there's like a gay panic scene they go Ugh, and they you know f word to each other you know Nobody's holding Keanu Reeves to that because we know Keanu Reeves has sort of evolved as a person, you know, over since that time. And we know that as society, we can evolve as well. What I'm saying as far as this character goes is I'm saying that since 2006, since this movie was released, society has evolved to a point where that word is worse sounding now than it was at that point. The other thing... (laughs) Is that, I
1: think we've I think we've de-evolved personally, but okay. And
0: and the other thing is like, I don't think, and this may be you know this is more of a judgment call. I feel like having the the this sort of climax in the movie be a little girl doing like a striptease move is like I I just don't think it would be as well received.
1: I mean, I, I guess. I mean, to me, when watching it, I've never thought of it like, oh, my gosh, she's taking her clothes off. I thought of it like a little girl having fun. Oh, I her understand that. Being... And I think people yeah. in
0: both in good faith and in bad faith have used the, you know, quote unquote, sexualization of children to advance, you know, advance their own agendas.
1: And, and to, to keep in mind, beauty patterns are fucking disgusting. Oh, yeah, they're, te- anyway. they're fucking
0: <laughs> terrible. And they, <laughs> yeah. this movie knew it because they put like the pedophile there.
1: Right, right, it's, yeah, it's just it's very icky, the whole thing, yeah
0: all right, so let's go to let's go to medals. who do you have for bronze?
1: so I have a tie, uh Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. I think the direction here is very interesting. I almost feel like the movie's a little bit stylized, and I can't really pinpoint my my finger on like exactly what it is, but I just like the way I'm trying to think how to put this, but I, I I like the way the family's presented in all the scenes um. It, it, it the whole film the way it's filmed it's just pleasantly pleasing to me there are some movies that I watch that I try to like but I'm like I don't like the tone of some movies and I just like I'm not comfortable with it um I remember seeing Sweeney Todd in the movie theater and just right away the, the Tim Burton the black and white the everything about it was just very pleasing to me and this movie does the same thing I think that's probably why I liked it from the beginning with but the camera angles the camera shots everything feels kind of warm and so that's kind of why they became my, they're became they my bronze, because of that reason. It just feels good to watch it. And I think that obviously has to do with them being the uh, directors and the direction it goes in.
0: So my bronze is, uh, is a tie as well. It's a tie between Alan Arkin and Paul Dano. I think they kind of like, you know, Alan Arkin's here, honestly, mostly because he gets the Oscar nomination uh, for me. Um yep. I think he's his performance is good. And I don't think it's a bad performance, but I don't think it's the best in the movie. It's to me, it's kind of bizarre that he was nominated uh, over everyone and else. It,
1: we'll talk about what's even crazier later.
0: Yeah. But Paul Dano also, like, it, Paul Dano may be higher if he was like talking for more of the movie. Right. You know, like he doesn't get to sort of flex his muscles until, you know, the movie's mostly isn't over. A,
1: isn't it weird though that we still like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but Paul Dano has that way about him. He's not even talking, and yet I still look for him yeah in the scene he has that thing about him that you're like he's not even talking and i'm still drawn to him
0: <laughs> right uh but yeah i think these these are kind of like the you know if we were if we were giving out like the mvp of like the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie i feel like these two would be in contention you know mm-hmm. arkin for the first half and dano for the second half yep. um but I, I think they just they their characters are not as such where they can put together a gold medal would performance to me Right. Who do you have for
1: silver? My silver goes to the writer Michael Arndt. Uh, this is a really good script. Um, it's it's interesting, you know, because when I I'm not a writer per se as far as like stories go, but I've dabbled in it. And every time I go to write something, I think of like who's the bad guy and who's the good guy and and how does this happen? And usually I go to that kind of thing. But it's almost like um, I like this movie because it's like the situation is bad. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's the antagonist of the movie kind of, of like, or it's just that 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 aura of just can these people just get along because they're family? Um, can they find something to get through? And I like that. It's like, you know, I, my brain would never go there. My brain would never say, OK, a situation. Everybody in the, in the movie has a lot of different traits and they're very good characters. But I would always think, OK, who's the bad guy that was trying to stop them yeah. You know, and I, and I guess you could say Bryan Cranston, but that's that's bullshit. <laughs> um, no, no.
0: So I, I don't think Bryan Cranston's Brian Cran- character is kind of a douche, but I don't think he's a villain necessarily. Yeah, he's not
1: a he's not a villain. He's just like, a guy doing his job. He's been yeah, jealous. I mean, I think and, um,
0: I think yeah, Richard is kind of a douche. Like he's really just he like is. his his whole those, thing is just yeah. like make it happen no matter what. Like it's right, good.
1: right. And, he, and, and, and he, it,
0: yeah, and and like the obstacle that comes up, with Bryan Cranston is just like hey we tried it's not gonna right, right
1: right the answer's yeah. no and yeah, his like totally whole, joking about that yeah, yeah
0: and like Greg Kinnear's whole philosophy is like no is fucking fake like there is no no and
1: right right Franklin's and I think like, that uh, yeah a lot of his a lot of Greg Kinnear's character like that moment in the car when his father's like you know you did your best and he like grabs his hand like that's like Craig Kinnear's almost breaking down at that point. Like what, he, It's almost like he, he craves his father's approval. What I, what I some, love about that
0: scene is that he doesn't accept it at first. Right. Where he's just like, okay, okay, dad. Yeah, like whatever. And he's like, no, no, I'm serious.
1: Right. It's, it's almost not real to him at first.
0: Yeah. Because like it's everything, really, yeah, because that's yeah. like the, the first genuine moment he has. Like right. everything, right. everything about him is through the lens of this like nine steps or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, everything always comes back to that. And like, when he has a a moment of genuine human connection, it's like foreign to him. He like, he doesn't know how to handle it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I hope I, I don't, I haven't, obviously, I don't, you look at the Oscars normally, unless I just know it from whatever, but I hope to see that Michael Arndt got some sort of recognition for the screenplay. Cause I think it's really good.
0: I believe he did. We'll have to, we'll have to look. Yeah. So my silver actually goes to Abigail Breslin. And that's because this is kind of the first, she, she was in signs before this, but this is kind of where she shows like, oh, she's like a legitimate actress here, even at a young age. And she, her career kind of like blossoms from this, like going forward, this is kind of a pivotal moment for her, you know, where she could have been like, oh, she's the cute kid from signs. And she turns that she does this, which is, you know, a a different, um, different type of performance. And she, you know, goes on to do like a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of stuff. Uh, so Abigail Breslin gets that for me. Uh, who's your gold?
1: My gold goes to the cast. I really couldn't choose and pick. And I think everybody who who acts in this movie is tremendous in their role. I think that everybody plays the correct part. Um, this is an ensemble piece. You know, it's not like that's why I kind of found it weird with Ellen Arkin one. Uh, you nominated for, you know, an Academy Award and everything. I was like, this is such a good cast movie. And it's, um, I feel like everybody's better uh, with the actor they're working with. It's like, they just work off each other so well. And the chemistry is good. And the dialogue is good. And um, I don't, there's never a moment in the movie where I don't believe somebody's performance. Like everybody's really hundred percent in on this. And I feel the situations, you know, when Tony Collette and Greg Kinnear are arguing, I feel it. It's not just like, oh, this is so phony. No, no, no. I feel their pain. Tony Collette's fucking amazing in everything she does. Me and Gia were talking about it earlier. We were like, she's. Gia, we were sitting over dinner last night, and Gia goes, "I'm going to say this out loud. I think Tony Collette's on like Kate Blanchett's level." And I said, yeah. "I agree with you. I think Tony Collette is one of those names that should be bigger than it is, and I think she's tremendous in almost everything." Um, she's, yeah, breaking-
0: she's. She's. I, I agree with that. I think she's. She's. She's phenomenal. She's she's an incredible actress.
1: She's the, one of the best actresses in the world. And I, I Greg Kinnear, like kills it in this movie. Uh, Steve Carell, who was basically an unknown when they first casted him, and then forty year old version came out, and then he was still making the movie, and they were like, "Wow, you're a big star now." Yeah. Um, you know, I love Steve Carell in this role. You know, I think he's so real and it's so believable. The whole cast in general is just a plus to me. So I did my gold.
0: Yeah. Um, so I go. I broke it down obviously i give my gold to steve carell and i think this is kind of so steve carell's career he he does try to do drama like straight drama from time to time and it's never 100 worked out for him i feel like because and i think this this movie is kind of the last moment that it could have gone that way because i think it's released during or right after the first season of the office Mm -hmm. and it's like not too long after his 40 year old virgin. So after like he's after this, he's Michael Scott. Yep. You know? And yeah, which is unfortunate. It's not a, that's not a show that I, I love. Um, but he is kind of like, I don't think he's typecast, but he's sort of like that colors the way people see him from this point forward. Right. Um, Whereas I think at this point he i think he's great in this movie like I think he's i think this performance i think you know, he's got my gold i think he's the best performance in the movie as this very against type you know, guy like he's he's on the daily show before this I think
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know imagine if like you know fucking closing doors situation where it's like instead of <laughs> instead of him in this movie it's Stephen Colbert right you know <laughs> as like you know playing like a gay man who committed you know attempted suicide yeah. So I mean I, I think it's just a great performance from him, and I, I think it's probably not something that he would be able to do now.
1: Uh, and, and, and that's super unfortunate. It is, I think, yeah. I think that he he would be a very very good dramatic actor if he focused on it.
0: I agree. So let's go to recasting. So I have got I've got the whole family except for except for Olive. I've got uh, Frank, Richard, Cheryl, Dwayne, and Edwin. Yep. Same. Okay. So where do you want to start?
1: Where do you start? Uh, man, they're all good. I don't know. Let's start with Cheryl.
0: Okay. Cheryl, I just went with just uh, an actress that I like, that I feel like needs to work more. And you might, when you hear the name in your head, you might think of her as, oh, she's younger than that. Because uh, she, she was a child actress. Uh, and that's Christina Ricci.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: I think she'd yeah. uh, she'd play, I think like, she seems like the kind that of, she, the type of role she plays, I would I'd say would be the kind that would be like smoking, you know, hiding, smoking cigarettes and, uh, you know, from her husband and, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, eating ice cream with her daughter and all that. Uh, but right. I think, I think she's kind of an
1: underutilized actress. Definitely. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. I went with an actress who I believe could take a role like this and just grab it by the balls. Cause she mm-hmm. just, she just does things like this very well. And that's Naomi Watts. Yeah, I'll name it, what? yeah, she's. I, I picture her as the mom and I picture her being angry and I picture her just being flustered. She's very good at that <laughs> um, yep. from the movies I've seen her in, so I went with her.
0: All right. Uh, wait, where do you want to go next?
1: Uh, let's do Richard.
0: Okay. Uh, Richard, uh, I... So, I cast somebody on purpose who I feel like is overshadowed by their father in the same way that kind of this character is, but I think is a, is a very good actor in his own right. And that is Colin Hanks.
1: I was trying to, I was trying to figure it real quick. I was like James, James Conn. I mean, I was like <laughs> Scott Conn. Um, I actually just saw him. He's in the the show, the offer the Godfather movie yeah. uh, TV show. He's yeah. in that. And he's very, very good and stingy as a lawyer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I could see it. He just has that look about him where he's just always like, I don't know. You kind of want to hit him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> So pretty much the opposite of his father. Yes. You want to hug Tom and punch Colin.
0: All right. Who do you, who do you have for Richard?
1: I went with Jason Bateman. Um, I
0: I see. I like that a lot. Yeah.
1: And especially the dynamic between Naomi Watts and Jason Bateman. I think they just, for some reason I just pictured them two together and I, Jason Bateman has that, uh, he, I think he's better than people think he is. I, I'm, I'm hoping that people see him in a positive light, but I think that like
0: I've not watched that show that he had uh, the... Ozark. Ozark. Oh, I've not watched it, but uh, yeah, I hear it's, I hear he's great.
1: Yeah, and he's um he's actually coming up and doing a movie with Ryan Reynolds. The remaking Clue. Um, oh, really? And I'm kind of excited. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited to see. I know Ryan Reynolds is playing Wadsworth, but I don't know who Jason Bateman's playing. Oh, they're really um, just but...
0: doing the movie. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just they remaking the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I just I picture him in this role, so I want
0: with him. All right, so we get uh, we get Frank, we get Dwayne, and we get Edwin. Where are we where are we going next?
1: Let's do Dwayne.
0: Okay, I gender swapped Dwayne because I don't think he I don't think that character necessarily needs to be male. Okay, and I just watched the most recent season of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and Sadie Sink is so good in that. She fucking kills it this season. In in uh, in Stranger Things. So I had her in my mind. So Sadie Sink is my Dwayne.
1: All right. Same name, Dwayne? Uh, Dwana. <laughs> or Jane. Jane? Okay. Jane, yeah. <laughs> uh, so my Dwayne's a little bit different. I, okay. This is the only one of my choices that I think is like, you got to think about it in case you don't know who he is. And you probably don't. Uh, I'm talking to the audience. Um, he's from the movie The Witch. and The Witch from. The witch, he's tremendous in it. His name is um, Harvey Scrimshaw and he's plays. The That's son a hell of a movie. handle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, he plays the son in that movie and, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, he, his, his, um, his death scene in it is pretty insane. And he, his acting is so good in that scene. I was like, I hope to see this kid and more things. And I think that he's kind of fallen off since the witch in a way, but I saw him and he's about 15, 60 looks around that age um, and I thought his acting was so good in The Witch that I was like, I really want to um, use him. And, and then I was also thinking of the actor in Jojo Rabbit, who plays the main character. And I was like, I don't think he's old enough yet, yeah. really, to, to handle it. So he was kind of like my second choice. But yeah, uh, Harvey Scrimshaw. Uh, if you haven't seen The Witch, check out that movie.
0: Harvey Scrimshaw. I it just, it sounds like a made up name.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. Harvey Scrimshaw. If someone
0: introduced themselves to me as Harvey Scrimshaw, I'd be like, no, no, really.
1: Well, he's English. So he, what's your, what's your shoot name? name? Right, yeah. That's, uh, that's that's not his. That's his kayfabe name.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. So we get uh, we get Frank and we get Edwin. Where are we going?
1: Let's do Frank.
0: Okay. This is where he's coming up for me, Bill Hader.
1: All right, Bill Hader. I like yeah. it. Bill Hader could do anything, in my opinion. Yep.
0: It's a cheat. Code. Uh, you can went, fucking do, you can, you can He's a cheat code. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I actually went with Bradley Cooper here.
0: I thought about Bradley Cooper. I actually yeah. thought about him for
1: Richard as well. Yeah, I think he's, he's a dynamic actor where he could probably pull off both. Because we, we've seen Bradley Cooper be an absolute dick in like wedding crashes. <laughs> he's just somebody you want to punch. And he's also uh, very likable as well. But I, I just pictured him being, I think seeing him in a very like subtle role like this where he's very damaged. Um, Have you seen the pictures interesting...
0: of Bradley Cooper that were released the other day of him as Leonard Bernstein? No. unfucking
1: recognizable I, I'm intrigued. I'm I'm actually loving this this point in Hollywood where I know it's been done in the past, but like, you know, like a uh, penguin and the Batman, you're like you've never guessed in a million years, it's who it is. Right. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen the movie Gucci, but like what? Yeah. Like you would never. Yeah, I like this. Like I like that actors are really taking chances and doing the makeup thing and being unrecognizable. So I'm gonna Very I'm gonna cool. text you. This is not
0: like I mean it's heavy makeup, but it's not like I'm just gonna send you the picture now. Okay, texting that to you right now.
1: Should I send you a, a box of monstrous cupcakes from the 90s? absolutely,
0: absolutely? I'm
1: gonna get my hands on those someday. I don't care yeah, if they're for, expired. For those
0: for those of you listening, just Google Bradley Cooper as Leonard Bernstein.
1: What in the flying fuck? Yeah. Holy shit! Well, I see uh, an Oscar coming his way. Yeah.
0: No, he's uh, he's he's gunning for it. After he got. Uh, uh, you know, I you know, we'll, I'm, I'm sure eventually there will be a Star Is Born episode. Um, yeah, that's uh, questionable whether or not he should have won. Uh, I think, I think perhaps there's a case to be made. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's, episode he's episode really going for it.
1: By the time we get to that episode, I'm sure there'll be a fourth, uh, fourth movie, <laughs> a fourth it's a, remake
0: of that movie. And yep, another one. All right, so Edwin is the last one. Speaking of oh. Clue, Michael McKean.
1: All right. I, I mean, Michael McKeon's an awesome actor. I love yeah. it. Uh, he's one of my favorites. And uh, there's going to be a sequel to Spinal Tap coming out at some I point. Read that, I'm yeah. really, really excited to see that, especially as old men. Um, um, but I went with the man himself, Al Pacino. Ooh. Just in the backseat. A lot of women. <laughs> uh al pacino Not just is one in- woman
0: <laughs> a lot of women
1: <laughs> a lot of women um have you seen uh there's a movie i forget the name of it uh man he plays like a um like an old singer kind of like a like a neil diamond type singer and that, uh, his son is D- danny um cannaval robert carnival um bobby Carnival.
0: <laughs> uh, to uh, say bobby- very formal
1: <laughs> <laughs> robert um robert Carnival, he he sees his son after so many years and he's sick and al pacino has to like try to like make amends with him and stuff and al pacino plays very subtle in this movie and um he plays an old father old man really well and he's like really believable and stuff because obviously i mean pacino's like 81 anyway or 82 at this point mm-hmm. but i just see him here i think he could i mean i think he could kill it alan arkin can't on pacino yeah
0: definitely of course Pacino, of course um so you have anything for uh, for miscellaneous?
1: Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, the uh, writer, Michael Arndt, uh, he actually was the assistant of Matthew Broderick for this movie, and he quit that job to write this screenplay. So I thought that was kind of a cool fact. <laughs> kind of random, too. Uh, and then the second thing is um, the two actors, apparently, that were being sought after for Frank. Oh, oh by the way, let me go back to Edwin. Al Pacino was my first choice and uh, Christopher Lloyd was my second choice. Oh, that'd be, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, apparently for Frank, they were looking at um, Bill Murray and Robin Williams.
0: Bill Murray. That would have been. Do you, know, do you know how difficult it is to, to cast Bill Murray in something? Do you know how to cast him?
1: Have you ever I know my dad It seems hard.
0: He has an answering machine that someone has. You, he doesn't give out the number. He doesn't have an agent. You just have to get the number for the answering machine from somebody. Pitch him on the answering machine. And then if he calls you back, he doesn't even like commit to it. He's like, yeah, maybe
1: I'll show up. Jeez, Louise. Wow. I mean, I understand why life, he doesn't. I love it. More. Yeah. At this point, he's like, I don't need the money, but I guess I'll do it if I like the script. And,
0: yeah. And and pretty much so. Like, If you like some of the reasons why he does movies is like my friend was in it and that's like how you get to kind of pitch it. Like he's like, he's right, friends right. with Melissa McCarthy. So he'll be like, yeah, they said Melissa McCarthy was in it. So I figured it must be pretty good. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I understand why it doesn't uh, work as, as much. Um, right. So here's my, here's my miscellaneous and don't ask me how, don't ask me how it got there. But I've decided that the VW microbus in this movie is the same one from the song Alice's Restaurant. Okay. That's uh, I'm it.
1: not going to say that's not true.
0: You can't disprove it. No. It's the same one.
1: Okay. I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm fine with that even.
0: Alice or whoever owned it, sold it, and it made its way to California. That, that That's what it was. I'm, 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 I'm fine. All right. Are you fine? Are you okay?
1: I'm okay. I'm okay. Need to take a breath? Need a break? Take a blow? No. Take a right. blow. I think take a little, I'm going to take a little bump right now. All right. Ah, um,
0: so, uh, let's talk about the Oscars. Best Picture is won by The Departed. Can't argue with that too much. Uh, really. Other nominees are Little Miss Sunshine, Babel, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, and The Queen.
1: Yeah, I, I think The Little Miss Sunshine, I, I'm glad it's there. I don't need it to win. I'm just glad it was. Because yeah. you know what? It feels almost like an indie film in a way, almost.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's um, very, except- very, very mid-2000s flavor here.
1: Yeah. And, and again, the cast is huge, so it's not yeah. really an indie film. But it, 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 I'm glad it was recognized. So I'm happy with it.
0: Yeah. Um, Best Director, Scorsese wins. Other nominees are Alejandro Iñárritu for a Babel, uh, Clint Eastwood for Letters from Iwo Jima, Stephen Frears for The Queen and Paul Greengrass for United 93.
1: Never heard of either of those things.
0: United 93 is a movie that takes place on United Flight 93 on 9-11, the one that crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. Okay. It came out five years, less than five years after
1: 9-11. Balsy.
0: Yeah. It's not a great movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, in my opinion, in my opinion um if we want to throw the directors in here over you know 93 i'm not gonna argue too much
1: oh, i i like the direction they made my top three but i'm, I'm not gonna force it I mean, it's okay, that's okay if it's not there all
0: right is there a main actor in this movie i
1: i don't think so i think this is again ensemble piece i can't really yeah. pick and choose it's not it's not easy
0: yeah yeah best actress sort of the same i don't think i mean yeah i don't think there's the best actress anyone who qualifies necessarily. Right. Best Supporting Actor is won by Alan Arkin for Little Miss
1: Sunshine. Can we just uh, talk about how Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls lost to Alan Arkin in Little yeah. Miss Sunshine?
0: Yeah. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley for Little Children, Jimon Hansu for Blood Diamond, Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls, and Mark Wahlberg for The Departed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I heard that. He's, Eddie me, he's, I, here's the thing about... Uh, Wahlberg in The Departed, is that uh, he's the guy who does his job.
1: You must be that. You must be the guy. Yeah, I, I love Mark Wahlberg in that movie. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe yeah. maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. <laughs> um, one of my favorite lines ever. But Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls, he puts a lot of effort. He's like basically James Brown in that movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he dances. He sings. He's so good in that. I mean, come on. Uh, how does here's here's, Arkin- a,
0: here's here's the question I want to sort of dive into more so than. Should Alan Arkin win? Because I don't. I don't think he does. I don't think he should. Should he be nominated over everyone else in this movie?
1: I don't think so. I mean, he, no, no. I, I don't think Carell. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Carell. I mean, I think like obviously his death was kind of like sad, and maybe that's why it got in. But yeah, I think I think Steve Carell has just as good of a chance as Alan Arkin does, or performance. It's, it's, it's. I kind of, I love Alan Arkin at this movie. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't get why it's Oscar worthy.
0: Yeah, it's it.
1: I feel like he's he's just himself. Like, no, yeah. not that I am saying Alan Arkin is like, like you know, obviously uses words like that, but like it's a very easy performance for someone to be like, just be a jerk. I am Alan Arkin. All right, yeah, and like he's, every director so, I feel like it nominated is like, really bust their ass to get there.
0: Yeah. So I feel like they nominated him. With the intent of like, oh, we'll probably never get to nominate him again, but he's fucking still working.
1: Yeah, 16 years later, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he got, an like, he, he was in, like, another, I don't know if he, I don't remember if he got nominated for Argo, but, like, six years later, he's, like, in the conversation again, and he's still going.
1: I'm, I I'm remember reading that Eddie Murphy like walked out when he lost because he was that upset. And I, I, I you know, s- source for it, whatever. See,
0: I'd have to, I'd, you'd have to read about Eddie Murphy here. I, I feel like it's not even that he lost; it's like he lost to the old white guy who, was right. just, well, His role I mean? was an-, an old white guy.
1: I mean, that's that's another thing entirely. Con- and, and good point. Um, but yeah, very odd. Very odd.
0: Yeah, and uh best supporting actress, uh Abigail Breslin is nominated. Wow. Um doesn't win Jennifer Hudson wins for Dream Girls. Other nominees are uh Adriana Barraza in Babel, uh Kate Blanchett in Notes on a Scandal, and Rinko Kikuchi in Babel as well. Um Abigail Breslin, are we are we okay with that nomination?
1: Yeah, I think she's She's, she's good,
0: yeah, she's, yeah, she's she's good and I mean it's, it's I find it uh, interesting that they were like it's the old man and the little girl are the ones that are in right.
1: this movie. Right where I think that, I think the, the the meat of those other four characters are well, the act the acting of the four actors are tremendous. Yeah. And I think that Alan Arkin and her are both very good. I think the other four are great.
0: yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, so it does win original screenplay. Um, oh good 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 yeah so Derek what are you eating with this movie
1: you know I, I think we're going to do some ice cream here we're, 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 you know what I mean I, you you know watching this movie you know the whole fat shaming thing yeah have some ice cream give us a yeah. little break
0: hell yeah ice cream I've uh, you know we've talked about it I have a, I have a pregnant wife currently uh, I've been in a lot of ice cream lately Yeah, that's been the craving
1: yeah, you can't go wrong with ice cream. That it just it yeah. just hit me. It just makes everything better.
0: Yep, yeah. a lot of uh, ice cream uh, spots being uh, being being hit Inclu- up.
1: Yeah, it makes everything happy, including I'm, I'm assuming pregnancy makes a pregnant woman very happy when she's eating. Seems
0: to ice cream. Seems to. Yep. Yeah, I had uh, went to a, a local ice cream place recently. I had a uh, it was like cookies and cream, but with a coconut ice cream base. Oh, interesting. Oh, it was good.
1: See, I, I like coconut flavor, but I don't like coconut itself. I just hate the texture of it. How do you feel about toasted coconut? i never. I don't think I've ever had toasted coconut oh, before.
0: Oh, you get it. You try it. Makes it crispier.
1: All right.
0: All right. Brings out a little bit. Sort of a different. Brings out a more depth of flavor. But I, 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 I hear. To... you. I don't mind the the like flaky coconut. But I, I I understand where you're coming from.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, toasted coconut. That's that's the way to go.
1: Yep. Damn. I mean. I mean. I mean. You got to make a Sunday.
0: <laughs> now that's a Sunday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how I always never say it right. <laughs> 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 like every episode, I'm always like, ah, I didn't do it right.
0: Sunday. <laughs> now that's a now Monday. That's Damn it. Not- <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So uh, now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when you, Derek, tell us why Little Miss Sunshine is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one go.
1: Little Miss Sunshine, 2006, Jonathan Dayton, Valerie Farris. I think the acting in this movie is tremendous. I really, really love the script. I think the whole movie in general just works really well. It's one of my feel-good movies, even though most of the movie are struggling to feel good. Uh, I recommend it to everybody. I think it's one of the, my favorite movies of the 2000s, even though there's a lot of movies. Uh, but yes, thumbs up from Derek. Fuck Ebert.
0: All right, 28 seconds. Well done, Derek. Uh, We hope you have. And that's been our episode on Little Miss Sunshine. We hope you have enjoyed that one. That brings us to the end of the Rex Picks for this June. So now we get uh, coming up soon, coming up next week and the week after. We go to the Rex Pick. Next week, we're going to welcome one of our favorite guests back. And that is Joe Boynton. He is going to join us for Dune. The 2021 adaptation.
1: I've never uh, seen the original. I haven't seen the new one. I am excited.
0: Oh, and you know what Dune means. You know what this means. You know who's joining the show for the first time. One Timothy
1: Chalamet. Finally, I get to see a movie of his. <laughs> I actually used him in a movie. I have not seen him acting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think at that time you said you saw him in something. Just oh lying. yeah, that movie
1: with, with, no, no, it was with Robert Pattinson. It was just like a, a quick scene between the two of them, okay. and it was really, it was, it was really good. So,
0: <laughs> and then uh, following up, we are—I can't wait to watch this movie. again. it's been a couple of years since I put this in. I've deprived myself. One of my favorite blockbusters of all time, Mad Max Fury Road.
1: Yes, I thought you were going to say the Scrubs musical.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Have you seen that episode? Of I have. Scrubs? Yeah, Guy Love. The between two guys. Guy, guy Love's probably one of the greatest songs ever written. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm on a, I'm on a major Scrubs kick right I, now. I'm on season I, six.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I um I didn't think of Scrubs the TV show, and I, I thought of the TLC song at first, and I was like, wow, <laughs> they. Made... I was the like, movie a scrub is a guy by, who thinks he's TLC. fly. He's also known as a buster.
1: Right. Uh, right. I've I've only seen this Mad Max movie once, and I remember really enjoying it. So I'm excited to see it.
0: One of my favorite theater experiences of all time, like really we're gonna we're gonna talk that's gonna be that's gonna be a super fun episode, and there's Sweet. a lot more going in, on in that movie than I think is I think it's it's a movie worth a second watch and worth worthy very much worthy of a deep dive. To talk about some of the different themes and some of the things that are going on there. so Sweet. I can't wait for that one. and awesome. after that, Derek's cousin Mark who I will only refer to him as Derek's cousin, Mark, until I see him in <laughs> person. And I'm probably very polite to him. Uh, <laughs> he's going to join us. And we're going to go the distance. Yes. With Rocky.
1: Woo, finally. Almost took us like 90 episodes to get there.
0: It, it's, it's just about, just about. Man, I can't, I cannot wait. I'm looking at this list of movies. I'm looking at our schedule coming up. And I cannot wait till our season finale in August, or I guess it's going to be early September when it's released. Can't wait to see where some of these are going to show up on our top 50.
1: I can't wait for that episode. I just, I can't wait to record it because it's going to be hilarious. It's
0: it's going to be great. I'm going going to be like a week from having a baby and I'm going to be drinking with my friends and I'm going to have a good time. Uh, So uh, we hope you've enjoyed our episode. We hope you'll join us coming up. Uh, I have, as always, I got it right. I've, as always, been your co-host, Little Miss Rickshine.
1: Uh, I can't use that now. I was going to use Little Miss. All right. Um, the big, the big sunshine, bo- no, the big shine, bo- no, the, the big little, the, the big, the
0: VW micro bowski the,
1: the little, the little big bowski <laughs> <laughs> Keep watching, everyone.